in a Texas death match, uh, there always is a winner. December 17th, New Fear City versus Heavy Metal Wrestling, New York versus Texas. Big Game Lever goes one-on-one -on -one with Jesus De La Rosa. Fan favorite Puff takes on Santa Chiva. Mike Law takes on the present Prince Adam. And in your main event, the Heavy Metal Wrestling Bare Knuckle Champion, Casanova Valentine, defends his belt for a 12th time against Merciless Aaron Mercer. In a barbed wire board, Cacti No Ray Texas Deathmatch! Plus, DJ gets report, live music, and go-go dancers. It all goes down at the Kingsland in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Sponsored by DDT. What it is, what's up, and welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I am your host, Rafe Houston, and today I'm joined by a very special and terrifying guest. That's right, it's Thanksgiving, everybody, so thank you to the heathen cruel for making time to hang out with me today. How are you today, sir? Dude, I'm doing great, man. It's, uh, it's what, late afternoon Thanksgiving day, so I'm full... I hear babies crying in the background, so we're getting, we're getting off to a good start. Um, you got the pass, know, it's man, fine. It's been a good day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, 6 a.m. here in uh, sunny Perth, Western Australia. Um, happy to wake up, get on the call with you real quick, and then I think I've got to go and do a first aid course on my day off. So that's going to be great. But That's always fun, yeah. Yeah, you exactly. you gotta you got to re-up these things occasionally, and uh, yeah. It will be okay. I don't think it's going to take too many hours, so I'll be glad when it's done. <laughs> so I want to have my day off and not do work. So, man, I want to thank you for making your time. It can be tricky getting everybody's schedules and time zones and everything uh, knocked out, man. So it's really appreciated. Yeah, no problem at all, man. Thank you for having me. No, that's great. So, yeah, with the show... Um, I was setting off my, I wasn't sure what I was going to get, if I was just going to like turn on the camera and just have a yeah. mask staring at me and heavy breathing for an hour. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, th this is going to be really fun, man, as we kind of journey back through the, I guess the, the journey that brought around the heathen cruel character. So let's rewind yep. a little bit, dude. Um, when you think about some of the first faces that, um, you remember in wrestling or stood out to you, you know, as a kid or whenever you started getting into it, who, who pops out? It, um, the, I always tell this story, but the, the first wrestling show that I ever saw and I remember seeing, and I've seen it several hundred times at this point mm -hmm. and, uh, was Starcade 87, uh, for the NWA. Okay. That was, um, that was the very first wrestling that I remember seeing, um, and literally remember every match on the card, uh, of the whole show. Um, it was just, it was one of those days special, uh, because as a kid at, I was probably three years old, four years old. And to remember that, you yeah, know, wow. that far back and, um, and, you know, watching it and, and just falling in love with the whole thing. And I think even in then I knew, I knew what it was, you know, and that was back in a time in 87 where, you know, wrestling was different. It was, you know, a lot of people still believed, you know, in, yeah. in what it was and Absolutely. what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And, and I saw it in the people that were watching it 
around me, you know, but I knew, I knew what it was. You know, I, just, yeah. I just knew what it was and I was, but I was so captivated by it. Yeah. That, but that's, um, that's crazy. Guys, like to still stick with you for that long. You know what I mean? Like when you think back to memories as a kid, it's, it's like little things, right? It's like, songs and it's like moments and stuff but to actually remember wrestling from being that young like it must have made a huge impression on you it well and it was a it was a whole it was a it was a thing you know and we're here we are on thanksgiving so you think about thanksgiving in the south you know as far as mm -hmm. wrestling goes and the wrestling history of, of wrestling on thanksgiving mm -hmm. and and starcade 87 was a thanksgiving show that was that was what it was wow. um the people would come over to my grandparents' house, not for Thanksgiving, but they would come over that to watch the wrestling show. He was the only person in the community that had a satellite dish that could pick <laughs> this stuff up. Yeah, right. And, uh, so that was that's I remember that. I remember gatherings where we were just watching wrestling, and, and so that's why it stuck out as such a memory from my childhood. Wow. So today's not only Thanksgiving, but it's also the anniversary of your introduction to wrestling. That's crazy. Yeah, no, actually, that's it wild. actually is. That's that's yeah. that's nuts. So I'm I'm not familiar with like really old NWA or whatever, but what kind of matches were on that card? Oh man, well you had um it, you had Sting, um was there, the uh the fabulous Freebirds, the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, the Legion of Doom, the Four Horsemen, you know, Flair um dusty luger um just everybody just the greats yeah, I mean, wow just, yeah, yeah the greats you know the, and that was the card you know you had a skywalkers match with the the midnight express and the rock and roll express you had yeah. two steel cage matches one was flair retaining you know getting the title back um and then you had luger and dusty in the cage as well so it was just one of those you know and and you hear it talked about today i've actually heard it talked about on podcast and yeah it wasn't one of their best shows. It really? was actually it was is very unsuccessful because they tried to run in Chicago, I believe, and and I've heard the story told, and it's so funny to look back because to me it was just the greatest thing ever. Yeah, but to hear others talk about it, it, it wasn't the best show. So it's 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 fun to see that perspective and know from a kid's from from my eyes at a young age, it was very special, even yeah. though. You know, it wasn't viewed as one of the best. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, that thing like when you're a kid, you look at it through a different lens, right? Like, so when I think about like the f the first wrestling show I ever watched, obviously we never got it on TV or anything here in Australia. So I rented a VHS of WrestleMania Nine. So you know, it's the Coliseum and it's the chariots and yeah. everybody's in togas, which is random as hell. You know, Bobby the Brain Heenan's on an elephant backwards and stuff, and it starts with Tatanka and Shawn Michaels. And uh, you know, maybe not every match on that card is awesome or whatever, but I hold that show so high. Like, and even yeah. to this day, whenever there's an outdoor kind of wrestling event, maybe it's why I came to enjoy death matches so much. But whenever I like. Uh, see outdoor wrestling shows it immediately brings back nostalgia like I love it being outdoors and I especially yeah. in like a huge stadium and stuff like that it feels so epic yeah no absolutely and I know exactly the Wrestlemania you're talking about that was that was kind of my introduction to the WWF because yeah. again being being from the south that wasn't WWF wasn't really what we watched That's what we I hear, right? yeah. yeah yeah so um, that was re that was one of my first shows I remember as far as the WWF goes, and that was the first time I remember seeing Undertaker and, and you know so that chariot with that's the vulture, Jesus Christ, it was wicked. 
How, how's he not your favorite wrestler after that? You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that match at the start, like I, I don't think I, I really liked it when I first saw it, like Tatanka and Shawn Michaels, but I'd since like gone back and watched that not too recently. And when you rewatch it, that's actually like a really good match. Like Shawn Michaels was on fire back then. He could, he was one of those guys and there's so many of those guys today. You know, you, the business, the business is just like sports. You know, you, you look back then and there was always that one standout athlete. Mm -hmm. And then you fast forward to today and you know, how many guys are really as good as Michael Jordan? You know, they, we talk about, you know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody's playing on a different level. Yeah. Uh, wrestling's the same way. There's there's so many guys playing on a on a different level mm-hmm. that it's hard to it's hard to say which one's the best. There may be a guy that just hasn't been heard of that that's that's performing at the same level or better than the, the guy we see every week that we yeah. think is the best. Exactly, and that's crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly, you do it, really. History is what defines it, right? Because. Okay. You can get people that are maybe technically better, or even you know, the charisma's off the chain and all those things. But it's really the body of work, especially in wrestling, that really defines the greats. You know, Abs- wanna- absolutely, and and that's well, and that's why no matter what changes about it, storytelling will always be the base of what we of what we're doing. Exactly, the memories, the moments, and all of those things. Like you think about Shawn Michaels' career, even if you just started it. Uh, at that, you know, the start of WrestleMania, and that's not even, you know, thinking about the the rockers and the barbershop and all that kind of stuff. Right. It's like he just has so many moments where his character changed and evolved and, and things happened, but he was just, yeah, one of the greats because, because of that entire resume. Exactly. And that you, you hit the nail on the head. It's the evolution that keeps them relevant and makes them bigger exactly. each and every time. Yeah. Every time they evolved, they they become larger than life, you know. Absolutely, and, and that's why they have those legacies. That's why Sean and Taker and and these people we talk about Stone. That's why they have legacies because they evolved. Yeah, constantly. Exactly, and it, and it is that in itself kind of speaks to like say a Stone Cold Steve Austin when you think about him because he he did he obviously did evolve, you know, over the time. But when he, once he hit sort of like Stone Cold, you know, peak era, obviously he didn't actually have that long a career in that no, time, you know, and that, but that impact was so much that then all that other stuff doesn't even matter because it was like so huge and so wide. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, everybody's story is different, but, yeah. you know, guys that have spent years and years doing it to, to, to finally for something to happen, for something to click, for whether it be a, a gimmick change or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden in six months, they, they've, they've done more in, in the world's eyes yeah, than they ever have before. And in their mind, I promise they're, they're thinking, you know, well, I've, I've done so much. Well, it all prepared them for that moment. They just don't realize it. You, know, you don't realize it later. Yeah. This is a, uh... Kind of an appropriate segue, which I guess I didn't even intend when we started this conversation, because it's kind of like the journey that you have literally just gone on with the the changes that that you've overcome. So, like, well, overcome, uh, gone through recently, because, and I don't want to fast forward too far ahead, but uh, you've been cruel. 
for like four months now and it, it feels like that's exactly happening for you. It's picking up steam, it's catching fire. How, how does that feel? Like without going into the full story just yet because we'll rewind a little bit, is it feeling like something's clicking in a different way? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it in four months and, and now thinking about it, it feels like so much longer. It, you know, that's how deep, I guess, that I've dug into it is that it feels like I've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. And I think in some ways I have been doing it yeah, I and preparing for it and didn't even realize what I was preparing myself mentally for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, it's it's fun. And and it's fun because I, I can I, I can feel it personally. I know what's what it's doing and, and the effect that it's having but I can see it and hear it from the people, you know, that are watching. Yeah. And and that feels awesome. You know, that, that in itself is such a testament to the work I've done to say, all right, you know, now, now something's clicking, yeah. not just for me, but for, for the people who are watching and that's what I'm doing it for. So that, that, that's, that, that's the best part, you know, really about it is to know that it's having that effect. On, on the people that, that love this and watch it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, when I first saw you, I wasn't familiar with your previous work, but I'm a big ICW No Holds Barred fan. And when you appear like this character, you know, at Halloween, basically, you know, giving off, you know, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees vibes and stuff, you just, you know, set the imagination alight, right? And then you're like... I hadn't seen anybody in death matches like no selling like that. And like, I'm like, Satu Jin is versing a psycho killer is, is how it felt. You know what I mean? And it was like, it felt dangerous and different and exciting. Uh, and yeah, it just was right place, right time. And I, I think it was really, really awesome. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, you know, one of those, it was perfect timing. You know, the, the, the no holes barred thing had been something that had been, you know, being tossed down uh, for almost a year. Um, wow. So, you know, and this would have been way before we'd ever, you know, I'd ever even thought up, you know, this, this version of me. And um, so, yeah, it, it's perfect timing, perfect placement. And, you know, we'll get into it more when I talk about the story, but yeah, it, it was just one of those things that happened just like it should have. Yeah, exactly. And like sometimes when things take that long and it's something you want to do, you're like, why isn't this happening or what else do I need to do? This is really frustrating. I want to do it. But it turns out it just needed to happen at the right time because it probably wouldn't have hit the same way it did. You know, like Absolutely. if the previous incarnation of you probably would have still done really well, but it wouldn't have been this. You know, right. and and that yeah. that's like pretty special. So rewinding back uh, now, you're three years old. You're watching NWA. You now start to grow up a wrestling fan, obviously, uh, and you're you know watching it with you. Were all your family wrestling fans? You were saying everybody used to come yeah. around and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. When I and especially at a young age, um, I would say probably until I was seven or eight years old. That that was that was kind of going on and a normal thing. Um, and then, you know, started growing up, life started changing. We made some moves as a family, which took me away from um, the, or my extended family. And um, I, you know, I actually fell out of wrestling for, you know, years just because of school and sports and, yeah. and life just kind of got busy and it, it wasn't really 
it wasn't really front and center anymore. Um, and that was the case until I got to high school. Uh, I would say my ninth, 10th grade year of high school is when the, the attitude era come around. And so all of a sudden, uh, wrestling was really hot. Uh, it was hot people who didn't give two shits about wrestling. It, you know, everybody knew what wrestling was. And, uh, and so that was, that was the rebirth of the, the passion for it. And, um, yeah, so that, you know, that went on for till I was a senior in high school. I didn't really ever think about the fact that I could do it. Yeah. I just watched it. I just loved it, but I, I never, it never crossed my mind because I didn't really know how I didn't know that there was a, you could go train. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't consider how they become wrestlers. You know what I mean? I just, they're just like superheroes, right? They're just there. That's, that's what it was like for me as a kid. I was just like, that's just what they do. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but of course, um, as kids at that age, you know, seven, 16, 78 years old. Um, and my friends were all into it. Uh, one of my friends particularly, uh, was over the top into it. And what I mean, he was, he was one of the tape trader guys. Yeah. He had the tapes from Japan. He had the tape, you know, everything, just a full library in his house. He was writing storylines for, for action figures in his bedroom, you know, and he is who kind of introduced me to independent wrestling, uh, and Japanese wrestling and the death match Japanese wrestling. Yeah. And uh, so that was my first time seeing that. And man, you know, we, we were so in love with the Japanese wrestling. Um, we, every, that's what I did on the weekends. I mean, it was, it was go over to his house and we watched just watch tapes, it. You know like I, mean? I didn't yeah. get exposed to any of that stuff literally until I was in my thirties. You know what I mean? Like, so, and for me, once I saw that, it was like this film was wiped away and I was like, oh, fuck. Like, this is what I have been looking for, like, the right, entire right. time. Like, I, I would find myself getting frustrated with, like, the WWE style and bored with, like, TV matches and stuff. And I'm like, why can't there be more, you know? And then I see wrestling like that, and it's so athletic and intense and all that. And I'm like, oh, that's what's up, you know? And so seeing that so young, I imagine for you, you were, like, like mind-blown. Yeah. You know, and that's what, you know, being, being a sports guy, I was, I played football and I was a wrestler. Um, it, I, that level of just intensity, yeah. you know, it was the, it wasn't the violence. It wasn't necessarily the, all the weapons being used and, to, and the crazy things they were doing. It was the intensity of yes. knowing that these guys were just brutalizing each other yeah. um, for, for the entertainment of, of thousands. Mm-hmm. And I just, it was, I, I loved it. And, uh, I, obviously I still, love it. Yeah. um, but, uh, no, that, and that's, you're right. It was just, it was such an intense thing to watch. It was so different than anything else you could see. It was a, it, it was a, it was an extended ver- or extended arm of this business that is wrestling. And there's so many different styles of wrestling. Um, it, it's just a different style, yeah. you know, it's, it's a different thing and it doesn't always get the respect I think it deserves. Um, but you, you can't just be at anybody and walk in and do this stuff. No. You know, I, you, you can't. Uh, it's a different mindset. Um, it's just a whole different thing. But regardless of what you want to think about it, it's still a branch of this business that we love. It's called wrestling. Absolutely. I think a lot of people think 
like when you talk about death mount trust and when they're not educated about it or they see it, they see the blood and then they don't see anything else beyond that. You know what I mean? They right. don't see the emotion behind that or exactly like you said, the intensity. When I, I was never really interested in it, like I knew it existed, but I was like, oh, you know, that, that kind of blood sort of thing turned me off a bit. And it wasn't until I sort of accidentally saw a death match live, like in Currican Hall in Japan, that I got it. You know, like how lucky are you? Yeah, you got yeah. to see a match. Yeah, it was crazy. That's so we, uh, I've told the story before, but I'll, I'll tell you real quick. So we went to, I became really big New Japan fan, and we were going to Wrestle Kingdom. And then, obviously, while we're there, we want to see whatever wrestling is on, and whatever Absolutely, we can see. Yeah. Karakon Hall's right there. You can walk up to the little box office, and we're like, "What do you got?" Kind of thing. Well, a friend uh, was messaging us when she saw we were in Japan, and her brother is the wrestler Chris Vice, who wrestles for Zero One. Uh, and she was like, "Oh, Chris is there. You should go see his show. I'm pretty sure he's wrestling tonight." And so we just go up and we buy a ticket and we walk in. And there's kind of a little bit of that sort of vibe going on at, at Zero One, but not really. But while we're there, people walk the aisles and they've got like show bags for all the other shows that are on because they'll walk together and they just like hand them out. And we're on the train and we're the, like the next day and I'm looking through all the stuff I got and there's this big flyer and it's for Big Japan and Big Japan have the two titles. They've got like a strong title and a deathmatch title. And I'm like, do you guys want to go to this? This is tomorrow. And they're like, yeah, sure. I'm like, I think it says deathmatch something or other. There might be some hardcore stuff. You guys cool? Yeah, whatever. We'll do it. And then we go. And when I say like, you're not ready for a match when they just start hanging light tubes on the ropes. And you're like, what's, uh, what are they doing with all this? And then, bro, when that first like tube popped and like this glass showering over the front rows, everyone's wearing ponchos and stuff, we're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and you, it's unbelievable. Like you said, that intensity and, uh, yeah, of everything. And then, like, you walk out and the champion's there and he's just in the crowd signing autographs covered in blood and you're like, what did we just see? And then it, like, kind of opened up and we're like, we could probably go to more of those, right? And we're like, oh, yeah. And then it was like, and that was, that was it, you know? So at so young, do you, and you, you start to watch that stuff with your friend and everything, does that turn you a bit away from the more uh, mainstream product and you're just like, in there right no no it, it, i it, i still loved all of it really you know okay. it, yeah. it, it didn't change anything for me i still i still had a love and passion for you know the wwe i love the wcw um we were starting i suppose to that era they were a bit better back then as well because you were still dealing with all that attitude era <laughs> stuff and things like that right yeah. well and you look back though you know even then it was way more storytelling in the attitude era Absolutely. than it was wrestling yeah. You weren't getting you weren't getting five star matches on Raw every week. No, no. There was a lot of storytelling though, mm -hmm. uh, and that's what we love. I loved it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, it, it we were just I was just I was really you know getting to know a lot of different places and things in the business. Um, this was the same time that uh that I discovered I found out who Tank was. Uh, yeah. And you know you're familiar with Tank, absolutely. So we would turn on and watch Wildside, NWA Wildside mm -hmm. from Cornelia. And this is where Tank and Iceberg were. Yeah. So that was the first time seeing Tank wow. was, was as a 17 year old kid uh, at my friend's house, we, we would turn on and watch Wildside. And that, to know, awesome. that later, you know, years later, I ended up 
wrestling in Cornelia at that same building at Landmark Arena and being the champ there for two years and, and carrying the same title that had been there since then, it, that was a special time. Man, that's amazing. Know? That's that's really cool. When you uh, – shout out to Tank and the Rev, by the way, two friends of the show, an absolute gentleman. Uh, their title match that they just had with John Wayne Murdoch at ICW, no holds about 20, I believe it was, was a banger, man. It was so cool in, in the hometown. It was It was crazy. Tank's the fucking man. Uh, that's just all there is. He he deserved and and earned, in my opinion, and he probably doesn't want me to say this, and he may hit me. Uh, so much, he deserved, he, so much more than he got early on. Uh, he really did. Um, but I'm so happy to see him back in the in the light, you know, in the spotlight and being appreciated. Yeah. for what he did for so many people, for me included, to, to open doors. And, and to still be doing this uh, is a testament to who he is and his love for what we do. Absolutely. And treated with the, like, the respect he deserves, you know. Like he's presented as a threat and respected and he, he's put on great matches and stuff. And it's just, just awesome to see those guys absolutely killing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, so you're watching all that stuff. We're doing all that. You said you were doing sports and stuff, and you mentioned wrestling. So I assume you mean, like, I guess what they call amateur wrestling. Again, not yeah. a thing here in Australia, but I know what it is. How tall are you at this point? Because you're obviously, shoot, a million feet tall, uh, <laughs> from what I hear. Uh, so when you're in high school, are you filling out? Is that growth hit? Like, where? Yeah, by my senior year, um, I was 6'5". I weighed 340 pounds, so I'm actually lighter now than I was then. Wow. Uh, I was I was stout, man. I mean, I was – you know, I went to uh, – and I'll just kind of go ahead and walk through this from there. Um, you know, once again, uh, because of sports and, and college athletics, I kind of felt wrestling once I left high school. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of time, I just, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have time. You know, I was, I was, went to Georgia Southern university to play football. Uh-huh. Um, I was there for a year, transferred to another college and I actually started wrestling in college. Never thought in a million years I would end up wrestling in college. Yeah. Uh, but when I, you know, I was kind of done with football. I was over it, burnt out on it. Yeah. Um, transferred, they were starting a wrestling team. They saw me, you know, in the gym obviously and they were like hey have you have you ever wrestled i was like well i wrestled in high school and they were like well we need a heavyweight uh we want you to be on the team so i kind of just walked into it <laughs> to a scholarship but when you're that size they're like look you don't really need any skills you just need to be there and maul people and you're like oh well, i can do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah just intimidate them and make them lay down yeah, yeah exactly. um but uh but so that's and so then during this time would be I would get approached by a professor at the college who happened to run an independent wrestling show mm-hmm. on the side. That was like his, his thing he did. Mm-hmm. And he saw me and he approached me about training. Really? And, uh, this was the, so this was the moment when I discovered, Oh wait, I can do this for real. You know, like, and so I went, um, I, got trained or I say got trained. I, I started training uh, with this local promotion and this was back in 2004. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a time when social media was just becoming a thing. Yeah. You know, my, that was my space era. So yeah, I was, yeah. a, 
Um, and, and even with that, people weren't using it yet like they do now. They weren't using it as an outlet to try to get their, their, you know, their gimmicks over and stuff like that. So we were still sending VHS tapes to try to get booked uh, and mailing them to promotion or either just showing up and saying, hey, I'm a wrestler. Um, can you use me? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> yeah. And then they usually put you in a match with the biggest guy they've got in the locker room who's 40 years old and hates everybody, and yeah. he just beat the shit out of you to see if you could take it. Yeah. Um, so it, <laughs> that was the that was my first year experience with wrestling was just even at my size, just getting the hell beat out of me by everybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> but, what they're um, about, just yeah, testing you, right? Right, right. Um, and here's you know here's what's funny. So I go back to when I started wrestling. Uh, my very first gimmick, I was called Dine. That was my name, Dine. Okay. Um, I was a part of a group that was called Cell Block D. <laughs> okay. Uh, we wore prison pants and uh, a a wife beater shirt. Uh-huh. Um, that lasted about three months. Once I started wrestling, and I was like, "This is stupid." Uh, what so does that dine was, mean? <laughs> Where does that even it, come from? So it, it actually is a it's a mathematical term that means a unstoppable force in oh, mathematics. That might be a bit um, highbrow for a prison gimmick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you know, I usually think too deeply in the names, or back then I did, especially so. Yeah, yeah. But um, that would be so. Three months into that, I was like, I don't like how this looks. Um, I bought a pair of leather pants uh, that we'll come back to that. Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that was what I did for like two, three years. I think was I, I started trying to get around uh, middle Georgia and it was just working where I could. Uh, and I would say after about four years, I, I was, I was just losing interest. Uh, I wasn't going anywhere. There was nothing really changing. I didn't, I knew I wasn't getting better. And I also knew that I didn't like what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and I, once again, without any real backing, without an understanding of how the business worked or how I should try to reach out, you know, or where I should try to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I pulled out of it again mm-hmm. and, and kind of started, you know, figured out what I was going to do with the rest of my life outside of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, about four years went by, this would have, you know, got us to 2012. Uh, I'm back in my hometown. I'm bartending, and uh, I get approached by a guy who knew me from when I was wrestling. He said, "Hey, I'm starting a show in your hometown. I really want you to come. I think people would, you know, we would get more people if you were wrestling." So I did, and uh, that first show, uh, Luke Gallows was there. Okay, um, they had they had booked him, and um, I I, I want to say this was when he had come out of the WWE the first time and then started running with impact yeah. and doing the eights and eights. Yeah. And, uh, so he sees me ask the guy, he's like, who is the big guy? Yeah. Uh, he tells him who I am. And then he talks to me he said, Hey man, he said, you know, are you, you know, is this something you really want to do? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I was like, yeah, I do. I said, I just, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. He said, I'll take care of that. Yeah. And, in six months time, he had started making connections for me and I was going to Alabama and wrestling and I was going to North Georgia and wrestling. And so it really started taking off, Wow! you know, then, mm-hmm. 
and uh, and and not to a, a major level, but I was getting booked, you know, and I was staying booked. And the biggest thing is I was learning mm-hmm. um, from from you know people that were better than me, which I hadn't been able to do up to that point. So the the passion and the love started coming back because I realized that it I hate being stagnant. That's just yeah. It's one of those things that I hate. Mm-hmm. So that was that was kind of when it picked up and I, and I was I was having fun again. Now that's awesome, man. When when I think about Luke Gallows, he's obviously somebody that I think has a lot of similarities with you. Uh, when I, I say we're, we're talking big guy, similar vibe, all that stuff. So to be honest, when you talked about the leather pants there, I thought we were going to lead to like a, you know, evil gallows gimmick or something like that, where it's like you're the twin brother or something. I didn't know where we were going with that. Hey, listen, so many people have pitched that idea. And he even, he'll tell you, uh, and I've seen a picture of his little brother and and we do, we look just alike. As much as me and him look alike, uh, I look exactly like his little brother. Yeah, okay. uh, Which is scary. I assume his little brother is not little. Oh, absolutely. Not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But but how cool, man, because he's a guy and, you know, I've heard his story and, and things like that before. He's a really interesting guy and a super charismatic guy who obviously, like, loves wrestling. You know what I mean? And it, it's super cool to hear that he saw somebody else with similarities to him and potential and went, I can maybe reach out and help this guy in a way that people didn't help me. That's real. That says speaks a lot to his character. It does. He and it's the kind of guy he is. Yeah. yeah. And he's one of those guys. He's not going to do it for you. He he's not going to. You know. He'll open the door, but he's not going to open it and hold it open and and show you the way in and then show you where to go after the door. He's like, all right, here it is. Yeah. Uh, if you want it, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that's. But yeah, like he he loves the business, man. He loves he loves what he does, and he loves the people around him. That's awesome. So you're you're picking up steam. He's got you, uh, mate. You know, has, is making connections. You're doing stuff and things like that. Um, at which point, so you're obviously not dying anymore. Uh, no. Uh, who I, are you I, at this point? What are we? Come back when when he when he asked me to start wrestling again. When the the local guy started asking me to wrestle again, um, uh, what was funny is I'd already been thinking about what I would do if I just did it again and come up with a new character. So when I come back, I was Logan Creed. Okay. It was just Logan Creed. Um, and, uh, that's what I was, um, until I met my wife. Uh, I met my wife at a show in Atlanta, NWA Atlanta. Uh, she was training there at the time and, and we started talking and then eventually we started traveling together. And, um, that was when, uh, we as, as a couple, came up with the heathens and and that was when the face paint started and the contacts came to be right. uh and i kind of changed the gear and i and you know i got it I got some really professional gear and it, it was just it was evolving you know what i mean it was just it was evolving from when i started it now it wasn't just a name now it was a character and um and her and i were working together and so that was around the time that i went into anarchy which was the wild side show i was talking about earlier yeah yeah. and and had my two-year run there which was amazing i got to work with bill barons i got to work with so many you know austin theory um so many great talents and great minds and young guys as well that were coming up through the through the wwa4 school which was run by ar fox mm-hmm. and then you had the nightmare factory that was just starting up as well yeah which was you know qt and, and cody's mm-hmm. school so 
so many people now circulating, yeah. so many guys to learn from, so many guys to work with. And, and I was consuming it. I was consuming knowledge from, from guys half my age mm-hmm. because I knew where they were coming from. Mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't go there because I was way too far away. Yeah. I was like, I can learn everything they're learning by just listening. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so it, it did nothing but benefit me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so that, you know, the Logan Creed thing was really rolling. Um, and 2018, I guess. Yeah, 20, 2018 was a really good year for me as far as is just the match qualities that I was having. Um, obviously the attention that I was getting and, um, I, that Christmas, I, uh, I talked to my wife, um, you know, we were fixing to have a baby and, um, I kind of told her, I said, you know, I've been doing this, this has been going on for about seven years, you know, I said, um, you know, I think I've done everything I can do with this. If, if I'm, if I don't have something serious happening by next year on my birthday, which would have been 2019, August 22nd. Yeah. I said, um, I said, I think I'm going to start like winding it down. You know, I, I think it's time to, to figure out what I'm going to do because if, if this isn't working, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, just so happened that MLW called, they started talking to me in July mm-hmm. and on my birthday, August 22nd of 2019, I signed a contract with them. <laughs> <laughs> so I took that as a sign that uh, I Absolutely. was supposed to be wrestling. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that was that was the cutoff. That was the cutoff day. That's crazy. That was. But you know, I didn't just lay down and take it either. It wasn't like if something don't happen, you know, I'm done. And yeah, then just wait you're obviously for working it. harder at that point because you're like, this is the right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I sent emails to every promotion that I could find an email for. To try to get booked. I didn't, I mean, not even just major, I mean, anybody yeah. trying to get out there. And <laughs> MLW was the only one that called. <laughs> Which is they wild were- because, like, to me, you're everything wrestling wants, right? Like, when you, when you talk about guys with size, with, like, you know, uh, body definition, with charisma, like, Spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen Logan Creed, you know, or the heathen without the mask, a handsome guy, you know what I mean? All of these things, like, how are you not, like, WWE world champion is how I look at it, you know what I mean? So, it's so crazy to me that you're, like, literally, like, here I am, people, and no one's like, I don't know. What, what are you fucking yeah. talking about? Like, you know what I mean? And like actively worked and those training things and running as champion and all that. I, it blows my fucking mind. Oh, hey, how do you guys feel about your internet security? Good, or do you hate it? Well, you must hate it if you haven't heard of NordVPN before. And do you hate, like, browsing the internet and streaming services from other countries and getting to watch whatever you want at the click of a button? I guess I must, because I live in Australia. We don't get to see nothing. I can't even shop for cool stuff without a whole heap of bother. But now, thanks to NordVPN, with the click of a button... I can just transport my internet to that of another country and shaglucky, I'm all sorted. And guess what? This holiday season, by going to nordvpn.com slash feels and using the code feels, you'll get up to 73% off your Nord VPN plan plus a bonus gift. That's right. Nord.com slash feels and use the code feels 
to get up to 73% off your NordVPN plan and a bonus gift. Your NordVPN plan and a bonus gift. Do yourself a favor, do your privacy a favor, do your eyes a favor, and go to nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels. Now back to the show. Yeah. Oh, no, it's super frustrating. You know, know, I mean, because I have zero doubt what I can do given the opportunity at any show. You know, you know, you're working hard, you know, like it's not not like you're just sitting around waiting. You're like in the gym, you're making shows, you're doing all that stuff. So you're grinding like, yeah. Right. But, you know, it, it, you know, that was a huge opportunity when when they called, obviously. And uh, so, you know, I took that. um, And so when when I went in, uh, my first show with them was October of 2019. Uh Uh, First day there. They say, "Hey, we're uh, we're putting you with the dynasty. You're gonna be with MJF and Hammerstone, mm-hmm. and and Holiday. Okay? Yeah. You're not gonna be looking Creed anymore. Your name's gonna be Grogan. Um, if you could have saw my face, That's an interesting <laughs> name. It's like what? what? Grogan? It was, yeah, it was a tough first day at the at the new job. <laughs> to say I, I was, and you know, I'm such a you know, I'm I'm a huge company guy." Um, I I am not your typical wrestler who is, you know, anti the company and anti that if I'm a part of something, I don't care if it's the the show down the street. I want it to be the best it can be. Yeah. I want to do everything I can to make the show the best. Sure. I want to make money. Of course I want to make money, but I'm only going to make money if every, if they're making money, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I, I, I want to make everything grow around me. So I didn't fight it. I was like, okay, you know, I'll do this. Did that show, um, I think a month later. Well, they went to New York. I wasn't on the New York show. Come back in January. They say, hey, change of plans. You're just going to be Logan Creed. <laughs> so, so, all right, cool. Um, they pull me out of that. I do Logan Creed for two shows. We kind of start an angle where I'm against the dynasty. And, and, you know, so we played it as a story, like they hired me and named me something stupid and, and, you know, but yeah. now I'm in. And, and then the, the dreaded COVID happened Yeah. and, and it shut down, not just MLW, but everything. Yeah. And so here I am, you know, had you know signed a contract. I've done two shows with this company. And, uh, and now we can't do anything. Yeah. You know, we, we, we have nothing. So that, you know, it was a tough year, but I never let it get me down. Even, even when it did, I didn't let anybody know. I didn't even let myself register it. Yeah. I just kept working. You know, I just kept, I, I was able to work out. So I did that, you know, and we were doing videos and stuff for MLW and trying to keep, you know, at least keep ourselves and attention on the product. So, um, but you know, once again, there was really no direction coming into it. So we didn't know where, I didn't know where I was going to be. Yeah. You know, I didn't know how long I did. I kept waiting for the call that they were just like, Hey, we don't really have anything for you. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I got a phone call the week before, uh, we come back for tapings last October mm-hmm. and, uh, it was from court. And this, so this was been the first time, even as co- far as contract, dealing that i had talked with him yeah okay. um i didn't i didn't talk with him directly during that whole process oh wow so um he gives me he's like hey i want to have a conversation with you okay 
So he calls, and um, this is when he pitches to me the Mads Kruger gimmick. Uh, kind of explains to me what he wants it to be. Um, he sent me the ideas for what he wanted, and, and I said, "Yeah, I, I didn't. I did not even hesitate. I didn't have it. I just said yeah to everything he said." Yeah. What what what's the pitch for Mads Kruger? So he, you know, Contra was the was the major hero group in the yep. company, um, and he wanted another monster that kind of tower you know it was kind of bigger than Fatu who yeah. was who was the monster and um and you know it all played out and it has played out now and you we see it but the the idea behind it and he didn't even tell me this until later was um he needed something to keep them apart until he could get a crowd back live yeah. to to have that title match mm-hmm. and um I was that piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. so in reality, when he pitched it, he had real no really no game plan for it after the fact. Yeah, it was really just something to say to get him to where he needed to be. Mm-hmm. What happened was I took it and really really grabbed a hold of it, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. As I saw it as an opportunity to to paint a new picture, mm-hmm. and and I started seeing the potential in what it could be. Yeah. And this goes on, you know, for the first part of this year, I start thinking about it. I start drawing sketches for, for what a mask should look like and what I think the character should be. And, uh, I started getting the mask made and I'm doing all this on my own. No conversation with them. Yeah. We're still doing the Mads Kruger character. Mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't use it on the independence per the, per the agreement that we had. Mm-hmm. So, I started figuring out how I could do this on the independent and um, work out a a loophole. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was a little tongue in cheek because, you know, in my head I said, you know, I told myself, I got to figure out how to work under a mask. Mm -hmm. The only way I can do that is reps, you know, just like anything else. I had to put reps in. So so he had had pitched a mask. Yes, he did pitch a mask. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, they gave the one that I'm wearing for them right now mm-hmm. is the mask that he pitched. Yeah. So like they they actually gave me the whole gimmick. Yeah. Got uh, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. But um, I just I knew it could be better. Yeah. You know that's yeah. first my first mindset was this can be awesome. Yeah. Where nobody else had even considered that. Yeah. I had so I went ahead and said oh I, this can be this can be something completely different. Yeah. And so that was when the, my mind started changing and. That was tough. You know, it's it's tough to look at yourself and see something you've built and that you believe in mm-hmm. and accept and admit the fact that, yep, it got me here, but it's not a up here. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not going to get me up here. Yeah. It, honest it, assessment. It wasn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an honest assessment of that character was good, but it wasn't great. Yeah. And, and once I really let myself kill it in my own head yeah that's i knew that i was going to be able to do it and uh and you know and that's led us here and the and like we said timing is everything um the the icw was the perfect timing because with this character and creating a monster you could not pick a better platform to solidify that 
than ICW. Yeah. And, and, and we did it, you know, and it's been done because like you said earlier, that, that world in the deathmatch wrestling is legit. Yeah. And when you're no selling stuff in that environment, mm-hmm. people fucking believe it. Yeah. It's not fake anymore. You could be crying underneath uh, that mask. I would never know, which is part of the magic. You're just like, ah! but, but no, <laughs> just literally openly weeping, but nobody's really going to know. So that's amazing. Dude, if I stub my toe in this room, I'll cry. I don't know. I can tell you. All I can tell you is it is, it is a different person. Yeah. Um, and, but I, that's just the way I am. I've heard you that know, before as well. Like sometimes things like that can, can help people shift mindsets you know what i mean like you become yep. when you walk in there you're like it's game time you put that on or whatever and yeah it be- becomes something else no it does it, it's it's it is a completely different being and you know mindset and, wow. and everything when i put the mask on yeah. um and i love it you know it, it abs- it's it, it gives me chills thinking about it. you know the the mindset i go into when i do it but uh it, you have to yeah. You know, you, you've got to make it real for people to believe in it. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's, that's what it. That's it. it sounds like a simple thing. Like, oh, put on an, uh, a mask and go into this, you know, deathmatch scenario. Nobody can really see your facial expressions. You can pretend it doesn't hurt you and, and you'll be scary. That's not true because it's not easy to do that because there's a physical language that happens. And B, there's like a vibe and intensity. Like when Cruel comes out, there's like this aura. You know what I mean? That like you project that out of yourself and people can feel it. You know what I mean? There's an aggression and there's like a danger and stuff like that. People don't know how to define it, but it is there, you know, and not everybody can do that because it is, it's body language, it's everything. Right. And then, you know, that's one of the toughest parts when you do it. is um, you don't have a facial expression anymore, like you said. Yeah. No, nobody can see my face, so everything now has to be told through my body. Yes. How I how I move, the way I look, because you can see that I'm mean, my eyes. Um, that now that's how the story is told. Yeah. It's it's not a it's not an anguish or you know proud look on the face. Mm-hmm. It's a body that's either broken or unfazed. Leading up to that, and as you're doing mads and stuff like that, are you looking back at some of the greats who have done that? Like, do you looking at Kane? You're looking at Undertaker? Because uh, I can guarantee everybody goes, "Oh yeah, it'd be easy to be the Undertaker and wear a coat and walk slowly to the ring," but that is not the case. You could put a hundred guys in that coat, and it wouldn't have been Mark Calloway. You know what I mean? You could put a hundred guys under the coat. Cam- I mean, they put a second guy under the mask, you know, and it's not Glenn Jacobs. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. no, it's obviously, um, Kane and, and abyss and undertaker. Like these were guys that I immediately looked to, you know, when I started you know, tr- thinking about how, how this needs to be, how it needs to look, mm-hmm. you know, how it needs to feel. And, um, the realization hit me as I'm, as I'm looking at this stuff, there hasn't been a monster in professional wrestling you know, since these guys were, were in their prom. Yes. Uh, and you see a lot of masks now, and this isn't, I'm not knocking guys with masks by any means. Please don't think that, but there isn't many guys my size that can do the things I do like the undertaker, like Kane, like abyss. Mm-hmm. And that 
that stand out the way they did. Yeah. You know, and I realized that here's an open platform for me to create something that can be really, really special. That's, that's like three in the history of wrestling. You know what I mean? I, I'm trying to think if there's any more. And, and there have been other monsters and stuff like that, but they're the ones that really stand out. Even Vader, you know, Vader, he had the mask, but and but it was still very human. Yeah. But Jesus Christ, he was so big, like you believed he and, and he was a badass, you know what I mean? But it, you didn't want to get in with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 he yeah, was exactly. legit scary. Yeah, that's it. Um that, and that, guys just like, a different maybe, vibe though, not that kind of like supernatural, like, you know, uh unmoving force kind of vibe from vader right right and even you know this is brock lesnar yeah he's a monster Mm -hmm. he's a monster character yeah uh he just is he does there he he doesn't need a mask or a gimmick or he's just that's who he is as a human being yeah no it's it's crazy man like um such a such a huge development so did crew did cruel pop up anywhere else before ICW or is it something that you saved for that? Uh, I did. I, we did. A, so we actually, I did this a couple of different ways. Um, there's independent shows that I do and I frequent um, in the Southeast that uh, a lot that can be seen on IWTV, um, action wrestling, Southern honor wrestling, new South to name three right off the top uh, with those. I knew that for that crowd, I wanted to do it as a story. Okay. You know, I wanted to, so, so we actually, I actually did it three different ways completely for all three shows. Just, just to, you know, see what worked, see, see how people would react to different ways of doing this. Uh, Uh, you know, we did one where I had a match with David Ali and, uh, he set his baseball bat on fire, hit me in the face. And so then it, you know, we, we did the fight, but I actually masked myself. I put the mask on at the next show in the ring. Like after yeah. I just destroyed everybody, my Brooklyn introduced the mask to me, yeah. and I put it on in the ring, which I had never seen done before. That, I thought that that's was really, really cool. cool. So, so the the character of Logan Creed essentially is is injured and hurt and and different, and and then everybody sees that psychological change in him, and he becomes right. cruel. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's exactly. cool. That's cool. So, and then you know, at New South, we did a. Um, I did an angle with a with a group there that uh, the the whole kind of they, their whole deal was uh, they told people to come die with them. They wanted and he so he started kind of stalking me out, wanted me to die with him. Uh, we did a casket match. You know, I lost, and then we shot a video of the casket opening, and I was under the mask. Yeah. So you know, just really old school, you know, wrestling there. That's cool. But um, but it was just different, and then so action which is a riddle action is more of a, I don't want to say it's not story driven because it is, but it's, it's more of that smart crowd um, show. Uh, So I literally just left the boots in the ring after I lost as Logan Creed. I had been undefeated there for a year since I had started with the company. Yeah. Lost the, 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 lost the title match, left my boots and haven't been back since. Tired. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so, and that was just, and I, so I just wanted to try, just try different ways, you know, and, and see how it felt, see how people reacted, see, see what we get out of it. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's, um, yeah, 
that's that's really interesting like experimenting with it and trying it in different ways and essentially preparing yourself for bigger platforms you know and right. and how it could work for other organizations and things like that and just there like i think people would think that oh okay so he's a he's a mask character that's big and scary that's one dimensional i mean you just laid out three completely different storylines and motivations for why this character became who he was rather than like he's just come in and he's the scary guy you know what i mean or, right. or he's the mask monster like all of those are very human reasons to be that you know like right. like there's a psychological twist on it you know it's it's yeah. re- really interesting you've you've obviously put a lot of thought into it yeah, and that's you know I, I knew I had to do that because with the with my background in the southeast, I couldn't just put a mask on and start walking out like you said it, yeah. it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. And they need we needed something and a a reason for me to turn to, to that darkness to that to that side and and then make them believe it and believe that there really something had something's changed. <laughs> And, you know, so that's that's kind of where the ICW really comes into play because my belief is if people are paying attention, they're paying attention to every show. Yeah. They're, they're watching and seeing what you're doing. And um, so, you know, I've, I've started kind of introducing it on other shows, but I haven't had a match. And now all of a sudden I walk into ICW into the deathmatch world, yeah. a world that they've never seen Logan Creed in, they've never seen me in, mm-hmm. and – I knew, I knew that was where I was going to really, really make this thing something special without ever going back anywhere else, make them come find me yeah, and see what I'm doing now. Absolutely. So when I go back, it it means something. Absolutely. And you're talking about people not understanding deathmatch or, you know, fear of it or certain expectations and stuff. Also, with that comes like a certain level of credibility as well. You know what I mean. So you've yeah. been through those things, and and we'll get to the injury that that you had. But all of that stuff almost happens for a reason as well, because it builds up this mythos of this unstoppable force. You know. So had you done any kind of deathmatch stuff before you're obviously like a fan since a young age is it something that you had been wanting to do for a while or or how did it come about that you made that choice i've actually i've had you know a few matches where you could have they were borderline um you know what you would consider deathmatch um i did have a i actually worked for h2o Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, a few years. But yeah. Nobody's going to remember this. Not even they would remember me being there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, Brad Cash um, got me booked on a show. Mm-hmm. I ended up working with him there. And Matt Tremont, which I'm sure you know Matt Tremont is, uh, he <laughs> is his show. This is my first time meeting him. Mm-hmm. And um, he was so mad at me. Not because I did anything wrong. Yeah. I bled so much. And we busted a hole in his wall. And so I get to the, I get to the locker room, and I'm standing there, and I'm just pouring blood. And he's like, you're bleeding all over my fucking carpet. And he's telling me to get the fuck out. So then I'm just standing outside, bleeding in the grass. And uh, <laughs> thankfully, some people come over and, like, help me get everything patched up. 
Yeah. Um, but so that was the first real experience with the, with the deathmatch show. And it was so Horrible. funny, you know, walking up here, I am in full wrestling gear and, and guys are just kind of looking at me like, the fuck are you doing here? Like, what, what are you, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was the first experience with it. And, uh, so in going back, you know, and I knew I, I took it mentally. I prepared myself differently. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted, I wanted these guys to respect me. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't walk in and and try to big league or, or try to think that I was better than anybody there. Mm-hmm. I went in very humbly in, in hopes of earning their respect. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think I did that. Yeah. I think, I think you did. I mean, you, you went through an absolute war. ICW are proven to give people chances. You know what I mean? It's, it's a bit of a proving ground promotion. They'll give somebody a shot, but then it's up to that person to deliver and kind of earn a spot. You know what I mean? And once that happens, it doesn't really matter about your resume and stuff because at that point you have proved to them and proved to their diehard fan base that you're real, you know? And, That's and you did, man. And talking about things happening at the right time, like, you obviously had a, a crazy match with Sato, which is, like I said, fires off the imagination in a lot of people. Everyone's very excited. You're no-selling gusset plates. Things are bouncing off you. Sato's doing an amazing job, like, being scared of you and being like, Absolutely. what the fuck are you trying yeah. to do stuff? Like, he's killing yeah. it. And then when that glass comes in, uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it, they, they did a, a part where... Cruel ends up in the corner, sitting down. Sato places a glass pane over him and then runs and does a flipping cannonball into him. But unfortunately, it was not tempered glass. It did not break the right way and shatter into a million pieces. It just broke into big, horrible chunks, slicing open your shoulder, I think, on your chest. I'll have you kind of tell it from your point of view. But as me watching this on the other side of the world, I'm like, yo, did I just watch this dude die? Like, it was very, <laughs> it was very concerning. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, holy fuck, is this guy okay? What was that, that like for you, man? Take, take me through through that match a bit. You know, the, I knew up until that point that uh, we had had a great match. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, at, at this point, I always know and I can feel kind of the aura coming from the crowd and, yeah. and just everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew we had done and I had done what I set out to do yeah. even before that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was, I was extremely, you know, I was happy. I knew we were going right where we wanted to go. And, you know, here we're getting, you know, this was at towards the end of the match, this spot. So, you know, we were, we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I did not have a clue that I was cut. Okay. That bad. Yeah, right, right. Never, Didn't even know. I, I never, I couldn't see it. Yeah, because uh, it was right on the back of the back of top shoulder right. kind of thing, right? Yeah. No, I, I so I didn't feel the glass and or the cuts at all. I only knew something was wrong because of the reaction that I saw come running to ringside. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I knew everybody, I could hear everybody. They were like, bro, you got to get out. You got to go. You got to get out. Yeah. And, um, in that moment, <laughs> And this will this will really kind of dig into my psyche and and where I'm at as far as the business goes. Mm-hmm. I said I can't roll out, I can't leave mm-hmm. in a hurry. Yeah, everything that I've done to this point will be for nothing. Yeah, 
if I if if I don't, and so the referee finally the mystique got, you know, disappears, right? If, if Cruel just goes ah! and then like right. runs out screaming or whatever, it's like okay, it doesn't matter, and, and you're I like, I, it, my entire career has led up <laughs> to creating this mystique in this character, <laughs> and I've just fucking blown it in ten seconds. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so Satu didn't, you know, Satu didn't know how bad it was, and and I'm thankful that he continued to to work, and he, you know, he was pummeling me with with tubes of glass steel in the corner as I lay there. Yeah. And uh, I think the referee finally realized what was happening as well, and then yeah. called for a stoppage of the match. Yeah. Sean's and, a, uh, Sean's an amazing ref, man. Like, oh he's yeah. The best in the guy. business. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so there, there we are. We're at the moment. I know I, I can leave now. And uh, once again, I don't know. I didn't know that it, that, how, that it was my shirt that was cut. Yeah. So I reach up and I grab oh, no. the, the chain. Yeah. And I pull. And I, was, I pulled myself up from the ground with, with my arm. <laughs> with you. And, uh, deep and, gash. <laughs> a very deep yeah. gash. <laughs> and that's when I feel, I just felt blood flow. It wasn't like a drip or flow. I just felt it flowing out of me mm. and i was like oh man i'm i'm cut pretty bad so <laughs> I, I i get out I, I do you know and like i said i kept my shit together I, I walked out just like i wanted to i never missed a beat on how i wanted to to get out and uh i got to the back and you know everybody's just freaking out and um and i'm still you know i still don't feel it i still have no feeling of anything being wrong yeah and um and i never did and, uh, you know, I'm not just trying to put that over as, oh, I'm a badass. Like, the only thing that hurt was a cut on my right arm that had nothing to do with the glass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually got cut when we did the dive okay. over the top. And it was bad enough that it was going to need stitches. Yeah. So I was already there. <laughs> <laughs> you already knew you were going for that, yeah. So, um, but no, it was, um, yeah. After the fact, you know, after I got to the hospital and, you know, that scene, I wish we could have got a video of, of them rolling me into the hospital because mm-hmm. the blood that was coming out of the back of the ambulance, the blood trail up from the tires, of the, like going through the, the nurses, because here I am, I'm still in full gear. Yeah, I've got yeah. the contacts in. I'm, I was about what, to say, like, you keep the mask on? Really fuck them up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but nurses wouldn't even come in the room. You know, they were, they were scared of of just me yeah yeah um, and and just the amount of blood that was just everywhere yeah so um that was such a funny scene and this I, is like, like I, halloween I'm... they're like this is actually a psycho <laughs> this is a fucking psycho something's gone down this is fucked yeah. up i don't want any part of it, it call was, the police like it was a hundred percent a scene from a horror movie yeah it really was yeah um but you know no they got me they got me fixed up and um and you know everything was good and i I was sitting talking with Stephen Platinum, who had been at the show, and he came over with me. And um, he was, he uh, of course, he was just telling me how crazy it was, and and the attention and the response it was getting on social media. Yeah. And uh, you know, I didn't know then what you know what it would mean, mm-hmm. but like we said earlier, if if that would have been Logan Creed, it wouldn't have had the same effect no. that it did for cruel yeah because now this guy who's a who's a monster is legit a fucking monster because he just literally almost died Mm -hmm. um and then two weeks later 
I'm I'm back in a wrestling ring in a steel cage in Philadelphia. That blew, that blew my mind. That so we we ended up in, in contact on social media or whatever. Um, and I was like, "You good?" And you're like, "Oh yeah, I'm wrestling this weekend." I was like, "You fucking what?" Your arm was like hanging off. <laughs> Like a weekend ago, like it's like one week or whatever, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I'm back in the ring," and I'm like, "No, what? What with one arm? Like, yeah, it was that is crazy." And I want to ask you about that recovery a little bit, but just, just sticking on that moment a bit because injuries in wrestling are synonymous with it, and they can be the biggest blessing and the biggest curse. Like when you think about it, like. Again, perfect timing. You were injured in the right way at the perfect time. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that was a right. really bad injury. Visually, it was shocking. It was the perfect thing that character needed to create that mythos that you've been trying to create, but it didn't fuck you up. You know, right. like like you couldn't have planned that. You, you couldn't have gone, no. oh, you know what would be really cool is we get a cut like this and then a badass and our photos and blah, blah, blah. Like, that happened. That could have severed your arm. It could have, like, fucking, you know, lost feelings and nerves. It could have it could have right. cut your neck, man. You know, you could have bled right. out in that right. ring. But it broke in such a way that was really shocking to a lot of people. You walked out under your own steam the way you wanted to. You were treated and you were back to wrestling within two weeks. Like, if that's not a sign, like, that you're on the right path, like, nothing is to me. Because I'm like, this dude's blessed right here. Like, is it, yeah. it's how I look no, about yeah, it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's the crazy. injury could have been so much, could yeah. have been so much worse. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, there's no controlling where that glass was going to go. No. Uh, it was div div divine intervention, 100%. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it went through and nothing was damaged. Yeah. Uh, you know, the doctor told me as he was stitching up my shoulder and I'm laying there, he's just like, dude, your muscles like trying to fuse itself back together while I'm doing this. And I was like, is that good? He's like, that's incredible. That's the he fucking said, that's Halloween spirit of cruel. Just like fucking <laughs> knitting you back together. Like Michael Myers walking out of a fucking car crash or something. That's terrifying. Yeah. I would, and that's the dude. The worst part of the whole thing was I wanted to leave so bad. Cause I knew once they got me stitched up, yeah. like, my body, uh, body, my body started telling me it needed things like I need sugar, I need food, I need, you know, it, I knew I needed stuff, yeah. and I, <laughs> I wanted to get up, and every time I'd try to get up, I'd lost so much blood, I would immediately just get dizzy and like fall back out. Yeah. Um. So I could, I couldn't stand up, and uh, I finally convinced. Uh, they finally, we finally convinced them to let them let us. Uh, Platinum go get me some food. And uh I said, if y'all will let him go get me some food, I'll quit fighting y'all. I'll just stay. I'll stay the night. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh they were like, okay, cool. So uh because I was hell bent determined I was leaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Try to get it, try to get out of there. How's your um how's this all go down with your wife? Because obviously you've got oh. <laughs> a young kid, you're now in this deathmatch thing, your fucking arm almost comes off like is is she there? Or like, is she at the event or is she at home? Like, is she freaking out? What's going she, on? She was at home. Uh, thankfully, you know, Platinum and, and other people who are friends of ours and know her were there and able to keep her updated with what was going on. Yeah. Um, and she was, you know, very supportive until I got home. And then she had her breakdown. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, 
but once again, after we talked about it, obviously she had concerns going back. Um, you know, she, cause we do have a family, we do have kids yeah. and, um, she, you know, she needed to know that I was in control. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She, she, Hey, you know, this, you, we can't do this. Yeah. And, um, so we, um, we talked about it and, and she was like, well, I want to go. And so she was actually in Chattanooga this past weekend. It was her first time being oh, at, really? a, at a death match show and, and she loved it. Yeah. She, she absolutely loved it and, and understands it. I think now a little better. Yeah. Uh, there's parts of it. She'll never understand obviously, but I mean, that's, that's the beauty of what we do is it's not going to be for everyone, mm-hmm. but she, she understood the intensity level. Yeah. And she understood and really grasped what I was doing. Yeah. And why you would it. want to do it. Yeah. And yeah. I suppose as well, like it would help meeting the crew. You know what I mean? Speaking to the people right. that are there, seeing the preparations, they do all these things. Go, okay, this isn't just some bullshit in a junkyard where they throw some shit around and hope we don't die. Like they can tell right. that ICW is a professional organization. It was an unfortunate accident that doesn't exactly. happen every show, you know? Exactly, and, and she saw that, and she understands that now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tell me about Ron a little bit. He's probably like my favorite commentator in the the world. Like, I can't talk about how entertaining he is to me. Um, and man, he, I know you guys are friends, and that was a very real reaction. And um, another amazing sort of part of it because all the bullshit went away, and he dropped his headset and fucking went. You know what I mean? Like he was. I could see him on the cameras. They're walking you out and stuff like that. He was very concerned. Yeah, no, he was, and he's dude. He's been in my corner since the day we met. Yeah. Um. You know, it was such a crazy, you know, story of how we met. You know, we met on a cruise for another friend's wedding, and he had never heard of me before. I knew really? who he was. Yeah. But like the first night we were on this cruise, the very oh. first night, we it was that was it. Like we, we, Boys. <laughs> we've been two peas in a pot. Yeah, yeah. Since man, it was just, we just got along and we, and he's such a huge supporter of mine. I mean, he, he does so much for me. I'll, I'll never be able to repay him because he, he does nothing but talk about how great I am. You know, I, I never, <laughs> and it's, it, you know, it, it's almost, I'm, I'm a very humble guy. So like sometimes when people start talking about me, I, I, I kind of shy away from it. Yeah. But uh, but he doesn't he doesn't hold back. You know he he refuses for anybody to not see what he sees in me, and and that's such a great thing to have in a friend. Absolutely. Now he's a, he's yeah yeah so entertaining man. Like I can't I can't say enough about how awesome. I, I, I love. I, I wish he could call every match I have forever. Yeah, I, I just he. I love it. I love his commentary I so much. I love his much. voice. Like, just the, the way he, he fucking says shit and stuff. It's just like, it's my favorite. He's day. probably the, he's the funniest person I've ever met. Yeah. I, he can make me laugh for absolutely no reason just sitting there. Uh, he doesn't have to do anything. I'll just laugh. <laughs> just looking at him. And yeah, him and Struggles as well as a combo. Like, Struggles is like the straight man and, like, Ron's bullshit and stuff. It's the perfect dichotomy between two guys. It, like, it really they're is. The best, yeah. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so what's next then? So two weeks later, I guess your fucking armor's knitted itself back together like Wolverine from the X-Men and you're already ready <laughs> to fucking go again. And then you said, what, you're in a steel cage match or something? Yeah, we had, well, I mean, two weeks from that Saturday, I had Philadelphia for MLW. We had war games. 
So I knew I was like, I gotta be ready to go. Like, it's not going to be a matter of text and say, Hey, I I can't do this. Like that was never, never crossed my mind. What's MLW saying when they're like, Hey, uh, (laughs) that arm attached, are you still wrestling or what's going on? That's what we'll see. I kind of let it play itself out. I didn't bring it up. I said, if they don't bring it up, then I'm not going to bring it up. Now we did talk about it the Sunday after. Yeah. For, did they know you were doing but, the show, or like you can do what you want independent wise? I can I can do what I can do what I want. Um, yeah. You know, there's guidelines to what I can and can't do. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, yeah, they don't have an issue with these those guys at all. Yeah. And it, that was you know that's kind of where I was going. I wondered you know after nobody said anything at the show that night, I was like, well maybe nobody saw it. Yeah. Uh, that was not the case. <laughs> You're <laughs> like under the radar. It. Nobody knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. They did see it. Yeah, it was under um, the radar. But because I didn't say anything, they assumed that, you know, I was going to be fine. Yeah. Um, and so we did talk about it Sunday. They understood completely that it was an accident. There was, there was never a, you know, don't do that anymore. Don't they, they literally knew that it was an accident. Um, of course said, Hey, be careful. We, we need you here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I understand that. Yeah. But, uh, but no, there was, there was no problem. You know, like I said, they, they understood that it was an accident. It wasn't supposed to happen. Um, but once again, uh, a guy and a, a, you know, a businessman and a, a, and a person who understands the, the nature of the business court knew what it did for the character. Yeah. He, he knew. Yeah. And, and so there was, <laughs> he can't complain I, he about it cause that. he's going to benefit from it. You know, like he's, that's yeah. exactly right. He, 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 he said, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to capitalize on this. You know, if anything, it'll forward. probably help you at MLW now. Cause it's like, now he sees it a bit more and he's like, Oh, okay. There's now the steam picking up. There's mystique picking up. We can capitalize right. on this too. And that that's probably going to help you there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It already has. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, you know, it, it, it already has. So it's, it was a, it was a, it was an accident that turned into a, a beautiful, you know, tragedy because, uh, what it's created, and we are just tapping into it. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that should be the part that excites people the most is that we haven't even, I don't even know yet. I don't, I don't, I haven't even fully grasped what it can be. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny because not a lot of people would redo traumatic injuries they've had you know what i mean but i imagine if i asked you would you change anything about that night you'd probably say no you go i'd go through it all over again because it, uh, yeah. it, it's no, I, it's where i needed to be i i'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason there's nothing in my life i want to go back and change um simply because this brought me here yep and it's, it's and anything that I have now in my family, you know, had any one thing changed, then it something would be different. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, you know, I, people ask me that all the time. Do you wish, you know, you took wrestling more serious in your early 20s? Probably not, because instead of having doing podcasts and talking about how great of a career I'm, I'm fixing to have, I would probably be on dark side of the ring. We'd be talking about, the you know. <laughs> what a horrible career I had because I'd have ruined it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but so like, you know, you looking back, like oh, fucking hell, this guy, <laughs> you got all that stuff out of the way. Exactly. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, no, and I did. So like, yeah, I don't have, I, it all happened exactly like it should have. Yeah. It, it's all played out exactly like every, every headache and, and aggravation and frustration that I've had to deal with through it all. And, 
is just help me create this. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's so, it's so cool. Um, you obviously were already back. You've had two other ICW shows since then with full transparency. I've only seen one of them because my life has been a fucking shit show. Uh, (laughs) Between no joke, man, between like a 10 PM last Thursday and 3.30 a.m. the the next Tuesday, I recorded like five different podcasts <laughs> amongst working full-time. Like it was, right, it's right. just been literally brutal. Um, but I did, uh, I did see you turn up um, and, yeah, att- attack Justin Kyle uh, at the end of his match. And I saw clips of like, your stuff with Hoodfoot. I haven't watched the whole match. I'm really looking forward to that because that he's another guy that's amazing. And like, there's a visual of him just like holding you in it, like a sleeper hold, and he looks so scared and covered in blood and stuff like that. It looks killer. How did the how did that all go? Oh, it was it was perfect. Once again, like you know, I would say even better than the first the first match with Satu. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, just from a storytelling standpoint, yeah. maybe not some of the the um, the moments as far as physical moments that we got in that match with Satu, but the storytelling moments with with Hoodfoot were were right where we need to be going, um, and and he did exactly what he needed to do to to help me get that over, and you know that's that's saying so much for for guys to get that and to understand that and and be able to help tell that story because you see the effect it has it's completely yeah. different mm-hmm. and uh so you know i can't i can't do it without the guy in the ring with me and that's that's the case in any anywhere you are yeah absolutely in anything to do with with wrestling you know um but yeah it's not going to help walking into that match like with your mythos now like sort of or mystique already established you know everybody now with Sato did a lot of the work in that, like nobody really knew yet. But then, after going through everything you've done and the the credibility that adds and stuff, when you walk in a guy and talk, or everybody already knows, you know what I mean? They're like, this is an unstoppable force, and then now it's time to start to capitalize on that. That's right, and and each time now, and each new opponent. There, there has to be a new way they trying to find to defeat that. Yes. And so it just keeps growing on itself, you yeah. know, which is what makes this awesome. Yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's not just match to match. It's, it's a story. Absolutely. Um, it's happening just for the character itself. Yeah. You know, not with, it's not a, with someone else. It's just me right now and, and what it's, what it's going to be. Yeah. So, so exciting. Yeah. It's very rare that somebody can have a character that is the story, you know, it feeds, it feeds it and it builds. And like, it's just the limit is imagination with something like that, which is really, really exciting. It's not about the, the next match. It's about the story. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and you know, everything we've done to now and you, you, you'll watch the Hoodfoot match. Yeah. It, it, we're just going to turn it up more in, in New York. Yeah. And so that's, that's what people have to look forward to. Yeah, Justin's a great choice as well. Um, he is obviously has been so dominant. He's so explosive. He's somebody that can stand, you know, eye to eye with you, looking up a little bit, but seem like a legitimate yeah. threat to Cruel. Yeah. And he's That's also right. so good at, I think people would underestimate this in him, uh, using the term, but, but selling, 
You know what I mean? Like after but, he went through that door and stuff, the tiny details that he does as he's staggering out and then he starts walking the wrong way and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, he he really gets it. And I think that that's going to be special when you guys get in there for sure. Yeah. No, and that's, man, he, uh, that's, <laughs> nobody is looking forward to that match more than Ron. Uh, I'll just tell you. I, there's oh, nobody. yeah, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> he loves Justin. No, he, <laughs> yeah, he gets pumped. Um, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be, um, it's gonna be really special. Yeah, exactly. It's the kind of thing that uh, you could even see an ongoing sort of um, rivalry or or something begin to develop. You know what I mean? It's a more than right. one and done. I could see legs in that sort of competition. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. That's it. So. Um, I guess as we start to wrap up here, man, where can people like uh, find you on social media and, and support you and, and all those things? Um, uh, Twitter and, and Instagram is the best place to find me. Uh, and it's at the heathen cruel for both. Um, so yeah, please give me a follow. And, and I, I love the outpouring of love that I've got from the death match community. Um, <laughs> the best fans, man. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely follow me there, um, and and everything that I'm doing and have coming up, I'm always posting and, and keeping everybody in the loop on where I'll be. Um, and then next week, I'm off this weekend for for Thanksgiving and gonna spend some time at home um, because next week I'm off to Mexico. Um, I'll be in Tijuana wow. with uh, MLW for the Crash uh, next Thursday and Friday, and then I'll actually be in Mexicali on Sunday working a show and um there's i know i'm meeting with chaos wrestling out of mexico and i think also the owner from crash will be there as well wow so uh, so yeah there's a there's a lot that's happened in a month in a month since an injury you no, know no doubt like you know what i mean it just goes to show <laughs> like you hit that right thing and that boom lightning in a bottle you know right yeah, yeah. A, a happy accident, to say the least. Absolutely, man. And that, that's what you want from any accident because a unhappy accident is quite a bit worse. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, listen, that's uh, even my wife, she said it. She said, well, at least it wasn't for nothing. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. And I mean, <laughs> deathmatch wrestling is calculated risks, you know, uh, but it's nice that when something could go so bad that at least it had a positive, positive impact. You know, and absolutely, man. I'm so happy for you. I can't wait to see where it goes. To be honest, I think it's one of the most exciting characters, storylines going in wrestling right now. Like it immediately, like stood out to me. And so, and I, I think uh, as I speak to you now, and as I like learn who you are and learn about your journey, I can be more happy for you, man. So I wish you all the luck in the world. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. So everybody out there, I just want to say for the heathen cruel. And four faces and feels. Remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Faces and Feels is a DIY project created and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram, at FacesFeelsCast, Twitter, at FacesFeelsCast, and Facebook at FacesFeelsCast. Or send us an email with topic suggestions or feedback to facesandfeels at gmail.com and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Our banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word 
from some friends of the show. Peace out. My body is a roadmap of pain. Oh! Deathmatchworldwide.com The official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a Deathmatch wrestler, promotion, manager, or platform, and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Vinyls and Violets, a brand celebrating a love of music and deathmatch wrestling. Follow on Instagram at Vinyls and Violence. Follow on Twitter at Legalized Ranch, and that's Ranch with two H's. And buy the shirts from deathmatchworldwide.com. Vinyls and Violence. I'm pretty sure it's like some weirdo shit like Pokemon or something. When it comes to independent wrestling and the deathmatch scene, one company is on the rise, and that is Ruthless Pro Wrestling. Featuring today's hottest talent, like Justin Kyle, Dale Patricks, The Rejects, Mickey Knuckles, Hoodfoot Mo Atlas, and more. Check out all of our events on IWTV. Find all of our social media and our RPW merch now at RuthlessPro.com.